we have got some things that we need to talk about tonight. Uh, I appreciate your flexibility, church. Uh, our plan was to get together and to have church at the cultural center like we've been doing. Uh, but as you know, a uh, state of emergency has been declared here in the state of Colorado, and the governor has asked that there not be any gatherings of over 200, 250 or so. That's about what we've been having. And uh, as Sarah and I sought the Lord and prayed over it, this is what I could see us doing. This is what I believe we were supposed to do. And even after making the decision and, and uh, seeking the Lord about it, inquiring of Him, like, why do you want us to do that exactly? Um, I, I believe it had something to do with not being in our own place yet. You know, like I said, we've been uh, renting the cultural center and there's just something about having your own place. Mm -hmm. You have authority there that you don't have in somebody else's place. And I, I tell you this, it, if we were to walk through something like this again and we had this building and we were in it and ready and could have people in it, I would not be quick to not have service. We do whatever it takes to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together because there's power in it. It's the power of agreement. But here we are, and I believe the Lord knows exactly where we are. He's compassionate towards us, and He's strengthening us for this. And we've got some things we need to cover tonight. You know, we've been, since the beginning of the year, in a series that we're calling Free People. And our foundation scripture for that has been in the book of Galatians, chapter 5, if you've got your Bible, turn there with me. Galatians chapter 5. And I can see so clearly how the Lord is leading us in this at the beginning of the year. And I thought we were heading in one direction. And then this came so strong to our hearts about ministering to our people, about being free people, living as free people. Um, I didn't see it so clearly then, but the more time I've spent with it in the Word, I can see this is, the, this is God's plan for us. This is what we need to hear. And even to this day, mm -hmm. the way he lined it up, there's some things I want to get into, get into tonight. I thought we would have been talking about weeks ago, talking about our freedom, talking about what we've been freed from. And every time we go into prayer, it's like, no, not yet, not yet. And then all this stuff starts happening in the world around us. And the Lord said, pull the trigger, now's the time. So in the book of Galatians chapter 5, it says in verse 1, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty. Everybody say liberty. Liberty. In the liberty by which Christ has made us free. And do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. Let me read it to you like we've been doing from a number of translations here. The New Living Translation says, so Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free. I like that. The Amplified Bible says, in this freedom, Christ has made us free and completely liberated us. Stand fast then and do not be hampered and held ensnared and submit again to a yoke of slavery, which you have once put off. And then finally, in the Passion Translation, I like this. I love the way he starts this. Let me be clear. That's what he says. Let me be clear. The anointed one, see, he translates the word Christ. That's what the word Christ means, the anointed one and his anointing. The anointed one has set us free. Then he says, not partially, but completely and wonderfully free. The anointed one, Sarah, has set us free. And when you go back all the way to the book of Genesis, you begin to see that this was God's original intent. His will, if you will, for all men for all time was to live free. As a matter of fact, the Bible says in the book of 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 16, in the Amplified Bible, he says, live as free people. 1 Peter 2, 16, live as free people. You ever wonder what the will of God for your life is? Well, you're looking at it right here. His will for your life is for you to live like a free person, for you and I to live as free people. And you see that all the way back in the book of Genesis. It's the first thing he gave them. Mm -hmm. When he created man and he put him in that garden, really the first thing he gave them was authority. Mm -hmm. He gave them a place of authority. But if you stop and think about it, what comes with authority? Freedom, mm -hmm. right? I mean, we understand that even in 
a, a, a work environment, even in a a structured environment where there's an organization and an organizational chart, the higher you go up that chart, the more authority somebody has until you get all the way to the top to the person with the most authority, that person is the one with the most freedom in that body, in that organization. So with authority comes freedom. But when Adam and Eve sinned, they gave away the authority. And when they gave away the authority, they gave away the freedom. But thank God, he went to work right then, right there on the plan of redemption. And it was motivated by one thing. I want my people free. I want them to be free again. I want my man, my woman, my children to live with the freedom that was my plan all along. And you go back to the garden, you realize that's why God put the tree there to begin with. What tree? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's why it's there at all. And we look at that going, God, why'd you even put that there? It would have been perfect without that. But freedom, there's no such thing as freedom unless and until you have a choice. There has to be a choice. And that's why the very most that love can do for anybody is create opportunity. I think back all those years ago when you and I met March of 2007, right? And we fell in love and it was this whirlwind romance. And three months after we met, we were engaged. Three months after that, we got married. So in love with this girl. But the whole proposal process is not me forcing my love on you. Mm. You're going to marry me like, I love you. That's not love. That's creepy, right? What love does is create an opportunity. I want to be your husband. I want you to be my wife. Mm. Will you? Notice what love does? Yes. Thank you. It's about time. (laughs) Love creates opportunity. That's what love does. Love gives a choice. Love doesn't force itself. It can't. If it forces itself, it's not love. And so that's what God did for us. I set before you this day, he said, life and death, blessing and cursing. What's he doing? Giving you a choice. Yeah. But it's so thankful. I mean, he turned right around and said, choose life. Yeah. I'm telling you, mm-hmm. choose life. Mm-hmm. There's so much we could be saying about this. You know, I think about Luke chapter four, we talk about this a lot. Jesus standing in the temple and telling everybody there, and of course all of us now, that the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me. You notice we read that from that translation here in Galatians 5.1. The anointed one has set us free. Jesus said the spirit of the Lord's on me. He's anointed me. And then he went through the things that the spirit of God was on him to do. Many things that you, you and I both have preached about. He said, he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has anointed me to, what was the next one? Heal, Heal brokenhearted. the brokenhearted. I know the Lord's talked to you a lot about that. But in your study of it and your preaching of it, would you not agree that as you look at it in the scripture, it's pretty crystal clear that a broken heart, living with a broken heart is like living in prison? Mm-hmm. I mean, it affects everything. It affects every relationship. It affects every decision. It keeps you from going further, going deeper with Mm -hmm. people. Why? Because of what somebody did to you. Mm -hmm. Everything Jesus identified there in Luke chapter 4, the the anointing was on him to preach the gospel to the poor. The anointing was on him to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim. That's the same word as preach. Liberty to the captives, to the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Everything he identified there was in one way or another a prison. Mm -hmm. That's what poverty is. Poverty is a prison. Mm -hmm. It's not a blessing in any way. It is a prison. What does a prison do? What do prison walls do? They limit people. Prison walls exist to tell everyone inside, you can go no further than this. Mm -hmm. And poverty exists for the same purpose. Mm -hmm. You can go no further than this in your life. You can make no more progress 
and it's a prison, and Jesus was and is anointed to break down those prison walls. Mm -hmm. And what's he doing in all that? He's getting our freedom back. Mm -hmm. He's buying our freedom back. I see it in your eyes. You've got something to preach right here. Go ahead. Um, you know, thinking about all that people are dealing with right now in the world, they're dealing with uh, really you see a nation that's panicking. Mm -hmm. The word panic is what comes to mind. And um, um, panic is really the absence of peace. That's right. But if you look up the word peace, just in a dictionary, it says it's the freedom from anxiety, really? the freedom from inner toil, the freedom from panic, the freedom from all these things. It's an inward state of freedom. That's good. That's what peace is. Yeah. And um, as we were praying today over the service, I kept thinking about Queen Esther and what she faced and her nation faced another time of panic in a nation. And um, actually, can we look at it? Yeah, go ahead. Do you have a somewhere else you want to go right now? You go there. Go for it. He invited me up here. <laughs> he knows I'm going to I knew talk. what I was getting into. Um, so in Esther chapter 4, Mordecai, he comes to Esther, and he's basically in a state of panic. And all the people in the nation are in a state of panic. And they are... They are concerned about their life. They are in a, have really all are faced with an enormous amount of fear. So fear and panic mm -hmm. were, 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 these are two things that are going on on the inside sure. of the heart. And um, all these people are in a panic and they're faced with fear. And they come to her and they present this to her and say, Esther, you you have the opportunity. You are the one with the voice. You have the ability to go into the king and make a request, make a petition. And I love what Esther does in the face of fear and in the presence of panic, what she does. She goes and she calls for a fast. Mm. And she presses into prayer. She asks people to That's press so into good. prayer with her. And she goes in and she comes before God to find out what he thinks about the situation. She doesn't go run out, run to the king right away and, and say, I want this, I want this, I want make all these demands, these fearful, uh, with a fearful action. She doesn't do that. She goes in and she presses into prayer. Mm -hmm. And she presses into a fasting, a place yeah. of fasting, and she calls for other people to do that with her. What is that? That's pressing in to the peace of God before you go, before you know what to do, even when you don't know what to do. And there's peace in his presence. Mm -hmm. And we have been given Jesus, who is our Prince of Peace. He's with us day in and day out. And Jesus said to us in the book of John, chapter 14, He mm -hmm. said, The Holy Spirit, I leave for you. I'm leaving this gift for you. Let but not God. your... Uh, first, He says, Peace. My peace be with you. Mm -hmm. Let not your heart be troubled, and neither let it be afraid. Yeah. And basically, he's saying to us, you're not supposed to live like the world. You have the ability on the inside to maintain peace and not to go into a state of panic. That's right. It's, this really gets to the heart of what I believe the Lord wants us to deal with tonight. In talking about our freedom, we've been saying it week after week after week, to live in your freedom, you got to know what you're freed from. You got to find out what Jesus paid the prices that you free from. We've talked about our freedom from condemnation. We've looked at scripture after scripture after scripture that proves God's desire to bring us out of jail, bring us out of prison. We looked at the children of Israel all through the book of Exodus when their cry after being in bondage for all those years, being in prison there in Egypt, their cry went up before God and he called a man named Moses and he gave him a word. And, this word, and the word was this, I'm bringing my people out. I'm bringing them out. And we spent all this time looking at that. But what we have to realize is that God never brings you out of one thing without bringing you in to something else. And here, now, now you've introduced this. This is where we have to go tonight. 
We need, if we're going to walk in our freedom, we got to find out what we're freed from. And one of the big things that you and I have been freed from is fear. Mm-hmm. We have been freed from fear. Mm-hmm. And this is where I had to go tonight. And I want you, th- this is going to tie in perfectly with what you're saying. In the book of Psalms, chapter 34, beginning in the first, vor- first verse, excuse me, he said, I will bless the Lord at all times. How important is this right now? Mm-hmm. Right in the middle of what you and I are watching go on around us. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. That means you're saying something. That means you put God's praise, not just to have a praise in my heart. No, it's coming out of your mouth. He said, my soul will make its boast in the Lord. The humble will hear of it and be glad. Magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Listen to verse four. I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all my fears. He said, I sought the Lord and he heard me. And the result was he delivered me. He freed me. That word delivered, if you look it up, it means to be taken out. It literally is the fulfillment of this word of the Lord we've had for weeks in church. Thus saith the Lord, I'm busting you out of this place. Thus saith the Lord, I'm breaking you out of this prison. Whatever prison's been holding people, God's bringing you out. And that's what that word delivered means. He delivered me from all my fears. Now, if you were to try to study anything and everything people can be afraid of, it would be a list a thousand miles long. There are phobias and fears of every imaginable thing. Mm -hmm. But David in this Psalm here said that he had an encounter with God that was so real and so powerful that the result was he was delivered from all his fears. Now, just reading that is at least a little bit comforting. I mean, this is, this is the giant killer we're talking about. This is the one who faced down bears. This is the one who faced down lions and Goliath himself. And even that one still had fears that he dealt with. So I know you do. You know I do that we have. But there is supposed to be a difference in the way you live your life and the way everybody else out there lives their life. And Sarah's exactly right. What we're seeing is panic. What we're seeing is fear. Now, there's two things we got to know about fear. Number one, it's not a feeling. Mm-hmm. It's a spirit. Mm-hmm. That's what 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 told us, that God has not given us the spirit of fear. And it is so clear to see that that is what's driving this thing right now in our nation and around the world. There is a spirit behind this. This is not just feelings of fear. There is a spirit of fear that's driving this thing, and people are being influenced by it in their decisions. They're being influenced by it in what they purchase, like we've already talked about tonight. There's a spirit of fear that's driving this thing. It's the, it's the opposite of the spirit of faith that Joshua and Caleb had yeah. when they— you know, these people that, that had the spirit of fear, they were in this bondage. They couldn't even leave. They couldn't even go and take the land that God told them they could have. Yeah, they were held in prison. They were held in bondage and in prison. What we talked about um, several weeks ago in church, we talked about where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. See, that's the difference between the spirit of God and the spirit of fear. The spirit of fear binds you up. Mm-hmm. The spirit of the Lord liberates you. There's freedom in it. Mm -hmm. So that's the first thing you need to know about fear. It's not a feeling. It's a spirit. And number two, like we've already said, it's a prison. Let me read this to you. We don't have to turn there for the sake of time, but listen to this out of the book of Hebrews chapter two, uh, verse 14. I'll read this from the New Living Translation. It says, because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the son also became flesh and blood. Jesus became just like us. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had, past tense, who had the power of death. I believe it's the King James, New King James, that says he destroyed him who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slave to the fear of dying. Mm -hmm. 
Fear of death. The, I believe it's the New King James that talks about being subject to bondage through the fear of death. Mm-hmm. Fear is a prison. But David said he got free of it. David said he got mm-hmm. freed, not from one fear, not that he learned how to manage a fear, not that he learned how to cope with a fear, mm-hmm. not that he learned how to fight even though he had it. This is something else. Mm-hmm. And this is something that only the child of God can have. Mm-hmm. And it's total and complete freedom yeah. Yeah. from fear. Now, this is what struck me today. All that to bring it right back around to what you just said. How did he get free? Mm-hmm. Look at it again, everybody. Look at it again. Psalm 34, verse 4. How did he get free? I sought the Lord. I sought mm-hmm. the Lord. Mm-hmm. That's how David got free of fear. Mm-hmm. And what occurred to me in looking at this is, Seeking is not something that happens in a minute or two. Seeking is not something that you start and then it's over. Seeking is something you set yourself to do. Mm -hmm. When you are seeking anything, what that means is your mind is on it, your attention, your focus, your energy, your affection. Mm -hmm. This is why Jesus said, seek First, the kingdom of God. What you seek reveals what's priority to you. And David said this was the way he got out of fear. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't just a giant that he had to be afraid of. There was somebody wanting to fight him, wanting to kill him nearly his whole life Mm -hmm. long. Mm -hmm. How do you get free from that kind of fear? Mm -hmm. It comes as the result of focused attention on the Lord and on his word. Yeah. It comes as a result of focusing on him in prayer, in worship, in praise, in meditation, mm-hmm. time spent seeking him. And the end result is the deliverance and the freedom from mm-hmm. fear. And is that not what you were saying Esther did? Yeah. And the, the amazing thing is that the time you spend in his presence puts you in a place of his love. And the Bible tells us in John chapter yeah, 4 so that there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. The more time you spend immersed in the love of God, the, the less fear that you will have working in your life and in your heart. The Lord said to me one time, he said, fill up on faith and watch fear fade away. Fill up on it, faith in God. Well, how do you even get over into that place of faith? Faith works by love. Mm-hmm. You got to get into his presence and start to behold his love. I mean, even if you look at 1 John chapter 3, this is the great love chapter, you know. It says, behold or look at, stare at. That's like get your focus on this manner of love that the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called the children of God, that God made us his children, that he loves us like his very own kids. Mm -hmm. You start, you take time and you get your mind off. You can't talk about the virus all the time. It's true. And be in faith. You can't talk it all the time. You can't magnify it. Whatever you magnify, you let into your life. And you gotta, you got to get over into that place of love where you're meditating on the love of God. you got your mind on His love. Mm-hmm. You're thinking about how much He loves you. You're thinking about how He adores you, how you are Thank His you, beloved. I say that to the Lord when I go to bed at night or when I wake up in the morning. Father, here I am. This is Sarah, your beloved. <laughs> here I am before you. Why, I'm reminding myself. He already knows that I'm his beloved. I'm reminding myself that mm-hmm. I am his beloved. When my kids go to bed at night, I pray over them. And I say, Father, I thank you that you give your beloved sweet sleep. That's right. Jesse is your beloved girl. Justice is your beloved boy. You give him rest. You give him sleep. And that love of God, that perfect love, once you get over into that place of perfection and that love, it casts out fear. I know the other day we were in our kitchen making dinner and cleaning up. And Justice went in, and I don't know why, he just turned on YouTube and was searching for some of my songs mm-hmm. some of my he- from my healing album. He loves that album. I think it's because I recorded it when he was in my belly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, 
he went and he started playing these songs. And I'm telling you, the love of God just filled up my kitchen while I was listening to them. And all of a sudden, you know, we everybody's mind has been on this virus. What do you do at work? How do you take care of your employees? Oh, they've canceled school. Oh, now that my kids are at home and I have to take leaves work to stay. I'm not talking about me necessarily, but I have to leave work to take care of my kids. Yeah, and now people I, are, dealing with, people are dealing with this. And now how do I pay rent? How do I, what am I going to do? What am I going to do about groceries? Mm -hmm. where, you know, all these things people are dealing with. It's not just the fear of the virus. It's the fear of um, what they're going to do to pay their rent, what they're going to do to survive. And at some point, you've got to turn it all off and you've got to go immerse yourself in the love of God. Behold the love of God. And as you do, perfect love casts out fear. And and two things about this. We quoted this a minute ago, um, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. God has not given us a spirit of fear. Mm -hmm. But what did he give us? Mm -hmm. He gave us a spirit of power and love. Now notice this one, a sound mind. mind. Mm -hmm. Now at first glance, you might think, well, that means a, a mind that works or a stable mind. And I suppose it could. But when you look it up, the word sound mind actually translates to self-discipline. There's other translations. The New Living Translation says that God's not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but a power, love, and self-discipline. Mm -hmm. That's self-control. Mm -hmm. What I believe he's saying is that God has given the believer a unique ability to think on what you choose to think on. Mm -hmm. Now, not everybody has that. And that's what we're seeing happen right now. What we are witnessing is the world from the top to the bottom, man, be yanked around in their mind, being told what to think, being influenced what to think. But here you've got the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, spirit-filled believers who've been given not the spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a self-disciplined, self-controlled mind. That means you have the ability to think what you want to think. And you can put your mind on whatever you want to put your mind on. It's exactly what Sarah is telling us to do. Get your mind off what the world's preaching at you. And I'm going to tell you something. If you can't watch the news without getting into fear, without getting into dread, turn it off. How will I know what's going on? You'll find out. Believe me. Plenty of people are talking about it. But you have got to guard your own heart mm -hmm. and choose to think on what you believe is what you're supposed to be thinking on. Set your mind on things above. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. This is in Philippians chapter four. Right. It says, rejoice in the things. Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. And then verse six says, be anxious for nothing. This sounds just like what Jesus said. Yeah. Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let anxiety in, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Isn't this exactly what Esther did? She came in and she she was she was uh, she went into prayer and supplication, and then she went and she made her request to the king. This is the word for word. This is exactly what she did. Make it known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds through Christ Jesus. You have to do something here, though. You have to watch your thought life. You have to look at what you think about. It says in verse 8, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate, think on these things. Mm -hmm. And these things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, these things do, and then this will happen. Are you ready? The God of peace will be with you. Amen. Your thought life is your responsibility. No one else's. My thought life is my responsibility. My The condition of my heart is my responsibility. We have a part to play in this. And if we do our part, then the God of peace yes. is with us. Yeah. That's awesome. The Prince of Peace, he can manifest himself in your house if you do if you think on these things. Is that not exactly what Jesus was saying in John 14, 27? Peace I leave with you. Mm -hmm. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives. Do I give to you? Let not 
-hmm. your heart be troubled. I mean, this is what he was saying. You've got something to do with it. Mm -hmm. You, You are the one who allows trouble in or denies trouble access to your heart. And I I bet you there would be people who would, if Jesus were standing here in front of them and said, don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let fear in. I I guarantee you there'd be people that would look right back at him and say, that's impossible. Mm -hmm. But it's not impossible. Mm -hmm. If Jesus said, don't let it be troubled, neither let it be afraid, then you and I have the power Mm -hmm. to not let it be troubled. That word troubled means agitated. And that's a good word to describe what's going on right now. I'm telling you, it's agitating. It's frustrating. And the spirit of fear is driving it. He said, neither let it be afraid. Sarah, in the few minutes that we have before we're going to wrap up, this is what I've had on my heart and I believe the Lord wanted us to do tonight. I want to deal with three big fears David said, I've been delivered from all my fears. So we know there's more than just one fear. And I want to deal with three tonight before we go. I want to deal, first of all, with the fear of death. And the reason I say the fear of death first is because that is the master fear that rules all others. People aren't just claustrophobic or afraid of tight spaces. They're afraid of dying like that. People aren't afraid of heights. They're they're afraid of falling and dying. People aren't afraid of flying. They're afraid of crashing and dying. It's the fear of death that drives all that. I want to deal with the fear of death. And I believe the Lord wants us to deal also with the fear of the future, the fear of what's ahead, what's in front of us, the uncertainty. And closely connected to that is the fear of loss. I want to tie those things together because when somebody loses something, especially if it's something precious to them, the first thought is, how do I go on? How do I move on? How do I move ahead? That's the fear of moving forward or the fear of the future. And then finally, I want to deal with the fear of other people. And not just simply the fear that some other person could harm you or hurt you, but specifically the fear of not what they could do to you, but the fear of what they think about you. Yeah. And you see every single one of these show up in the book of Mark chapter 5. And this is an account out of the ministry of Jesus. And I want us to go there and look at this in the last few minutes that we have tonight. In Mark chapter 5, beginning in verse 21, it says, Now when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet. Matthew's account of this adds, he worshipped him. Mm-hmm. It says in verse 23, he begged him earnestly saying, my little daughter lies, notice this now, at the point of death. Now, what did we already say? That Jesus has delivered us and destroyed him who had the power of death. And he's delivered us from the bondage that comes from the fear of death. When, when you're studying fear, It's almost like studying faith at the same time. You look through the ministry of Jesus, and Jesus identified people who had great faith, people who had little faith, people who had no faith. So faith can show up in varying degrees. Well, fear can too. Fear can be manifested in all kinds of degrees. You could have a a, a little bit of fear, a little bit of shyness, maybe a little bit of trepidation about something. From there to full-blown dread and panic and frozen with fear. But it's all varying degrees of the same stuff. But what I believe you're going to see here is that the closer you get to, to the point of death or what you perceive to be the point of death the greater you see fear increase in manifestation. That's what we're watching right now happen around us. There is is a fear of death. And even though relatively few people have actually died from this virus, this is what's on people's mind. It's the fear of catching it. It's the fear of dying with it. And the closer you get to this, what the scripture called the point of death, 
That is the place I believe fear is in its greatest manifestation. So you know Jay Iris was dealing with it, man. I mean, I'm a father, so I can sympathize with this. I know, and you and I both know what it's like as parents to, the, the, the few times that our kids have ever dealt with symptoms of any kind of sickness, I don't like it. And I got to fight some stuff. I got to fight some fear. I got to fight some worry. Why? Because it's your kids, man. It's your kids. You don't want your kids going through that. But whatever had gotten a hold of this girl had progressed so much that it brought her right up to the point of death. So you know that Jairus is having to deal with this fear. Now, he did the right thing, didn't he? What did he do? He found Jesus. And that's what you do. He found Jesus, and I love this man. I respect this man because he did not come to Jesus Mm-mm. with his position, Mm-mm. with his place of power. He came to Jesus, even though he's a, he's a man of reputation, and he fell at his feet, and he worshiped him. This is how, this is how you get Jesus' attention. And he made a faith declaration in the face of that fear. And he said, my little daughter lies at the point of death, but you come and lay your hands on her, she will live. And these next few verses, next few words of this verse 24 are some of my favorite in all of scripture. What does it say? So Jesus went with him. Doesn't even record that he said anything to him. Jesus was so moved by this man's faith. And that's what he was moved by. Not the need not the extreme nature of the need, not because time was ticking. He was moved by this man's faith. And he went with him. It says in verse 24, he went with him, a great multitude followed him and thronged him. I want us to skip ahead to verse 35. Jesus, you know, in the middle here, he's, he's ministering to the woman with the issue of blood who, by the way, found herself at the exact same place Jairus found himself, at the feet of Jesus. She got her miracle. Mm -hmm. And while he was speaking to her, it says in verse 35, while he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? That is an evil report. That's a bad report. Not unlike the report that we're being fed 24 hours a day right now. It's a bad report, man. It's an evil report. But in verse 36, as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, what word? Your daughter's dead. He said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid, only believe. Do not be afraid, only believe. Believe. Now you look this up in the original language and other translations bear this out. You want to know what Jesus really said to him? Stop the fear. Stop it right now. Mm-hmm. Stop the fear. So you know fear was going on and it was the fear of death, right? I mean, she was at the point of death, but when he got that word, now she's dead. Okay. This fear has just taken on another shape, another form, and it's no longer the fear of death. She's already dead. Now it's the fear of the future. Mm-hmm. How do I go on? How do I move on from this? And I guarantee you as a father, the moment he hears those words, that fear came all over him. That thought, how do I live? How do I go on? And see, that's, that was the power of death. That was the power that death had when sin entered the world. By one man's sin, death entered. And the power that death had was fear. Mm -hmm. Until Jesus, fear was the man. Fear and death was in charge. Death called all the shots. And the the only response there could be to death was fear, was mourning. And it wasn't just the fear of dying. It was the grief that set in in the people who didn't die, who were still here when their loved ones died. But Jesus came and ruined all of that. Jesus ruined death for everybody, for all time. By doing what? By taking the fear out of it. By taking the sting out of it. He ruined the fear of death, and he's about to ruin the fear of the future. He knew how important it was that 
you do not be afraid. Right. Because he would have told him, don't do not be afraid. No, that's a great if it, point. If it wasn't important and if it didn't affect the outcome of the situation. So if Jesus was just going to do this no matter what, right? I mean, yeah. that's what you're saying. If Jesus was just going to go heal this little girl, no matter what Jairus said, no matter what Jairus did, then that's not what he would have said. And fear in these times or panic, letting your heart be troubled, letting your heart be anxious, yielding to that does affect the outcome for your family. It does. And that's why Jesus says, do not be afraid. Do not let your heart be troubled. Do not be anxious for anything. Do not panic. Do not let these things work in you, but instead... Only believe. believe. You have two options. Start believing. Mm -hmm. Don't mix the two. Mm -hmm. Stop this one. Start this Mm -hmm. one. Stop letting fear in. Start believing. Because there will be a positive outcome or a negative outcome based on what you do. Yeah, and it wasn't based on Jesus' will. It wasn't based Mm -hmm. on Jesus' ability. It was based on that moment, this little girl's life hung in that moment. And in my mind, I mean, when Jesus heard that word, he turned around, he grabbed Jairus, he pulled him in. And it's like, look, if you want me to do what you came to get me to do, there's no room for fear. Yeah. Stop the fear. Mm -hmm. Only believe. These are the first recorded words that we have that Jesus ever even said to Jairus. And what's he trying to do? Stop the fear of the future. Mm-hmm. Did you know the word anxious or anxiety is the respect of the future or the reverence of something that could happen in the future? Having too much respect for something. Yeah. So think about it, like in light of what we're dealing with now, talking about it, just making such a big deal out of it, reverencing it, respecting it in light of your future mm-hmm. is what causes anxiety. It does. And this is why Jesus said, stop worrying about tomorrow. Mm -hmm. What's tomorrow? Tomorrow's the future. Mm -hmm. Stop worrying about tomorrow. Because worry and fear have the same ability that faith has. Mm -hmm. Faith has the ability to reach out. And that's what faith is. Faith is the hand. Faith is the hand that takes and grabs a hold of what grace is given. So I just think of it like like an exchange, like grace is God's hand and he's provided your salvation. He's provided your healing, your deliverance, your abundance, everything you need. Faith is the hand that takes what grace is given. And faith has the ability, this boggles my mind, but I know it's true. Faith has the ability to reach into the future grab a hold of the supply of heaven itself mm-hmm. and bring it into the here and now. Yeah. It's powerful. Mm-hmm. Fear has the same ability. Yeah. Fear and worry, the expectation, the reverence, the awe of, of bad that is to come mm-hmm. has the ability to reach out into the, into the future. That's what Jesus said is tomorrow. Don't worry about tomorrow mm-hmm. because when you worry about it, you reach out into the future, grab a hold of whatever bad is there and bring it into today. Mm-hmm. And that's a bad place to be living. Yeah. And how do you stop the fear? When, it, when a thought comes to you, you have to stop it and you shut it down there. Mm-hmm. It's, an, it's, a, it's a guarding of the heart day in and day out. Oh, it's a, a guarding, full-time job. It's a full-time job in the yeah. thought life. Guarding that state of you, what's going on in your mind. When it comes to you, you shut it down right there and you say something different. Yeah. You say you speak faith. You let that spirit of faith come in and take over that spirit of fear. I and say of the Lord, he is my refuge. I say it. You don't let it linger. You don't let it work yeah. in your heart and yeah. your mind. So Jesus is dealing right now with this fear of the future, the uncertainty. What do we do here? How do we go on? And what he's doing for Jairus is giving him a choice. What word will you respond to? He's got a word from home that said your daughter's dead. Now he's got a word from Jesus that says, do not fear, only believe. Which word will you respond to? Mm-hmm. It says in verse 37, he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. 
And he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw a tumult and those who wept and wailed loudly. Now, every word of this, every detail of this is significant. Atmosphere matters. Environment matters. And Jesus is stepping into an environment that is loud with grief, loud with fear and and depression and oppression. They're weeping and they're wailing loudly. He's stepping into this environment and atmosphere matters. Church, you hear it say it all the time. That's why we're believing God that Legacy Church is an atmosphere full of two things, faith and Love. love. This atmosphere was not conducive to a miracle. He walked in, these people are weeping, these people are crying, and you know there's friends there, there there are family members there. And it says in verse 39, he came in and said to them, why make this commotion and weep? This child is not dead, but sleeping. And notice what happened in verse 40. They went immediately from weeping and wailing to ridiculing him. Other, Other accounts say they laughed at him ridiculed him. But I love this about Jesus. You ready? It says, when he had put them all outside. This is what you've got to do. When it comes to life or death situations, and there are many people in this world right now facing exactly that, life or death. When everything's on the line like this, you have no time to be feeding on or listening to or giving open access of your heart to any other voice than the voice of faith. You just don't have time for it. And that's what Jesus was doing here. He put a test out there and said, she's not dead, she's asleep. And whoever could not get on board with that, he said, out, out you go. Now you think about it, there's friends there, there's family there, and now all of a sudden, what are we dealing with? The fear of people. Mm-hmm. The fear of what people think. Here's Jairus, a man of reputation, uh, a ruler of the synagogue. Probably the people he runs with most are not exactly members of the Jesus Christ fan club. Mm-hmm. These are people who hate him. These are people who want him dead, many of them. But it didn't matter because his little daughter lied at the point of death. Now all these people are at his house. They're crying, they're weeping, they're wailing. And Jesus goes to put them outside. What if Jairus had been more mindful of their opinion? Mm -hmm. Because look, let's be honest about it. Faith is not a popular opinion. Mm -hmm. Belief in God, a stance on his word, is not a popular opinion. And it probably will get you some funny looks. It'll probably get you get some people to roll their eyes at you when you take that stand of faith. But when it's this serious, you don't have time to care about it. You don't have time for the fear of people. Mm -hmm. You need to care nothing about their opinion and care everything about God's opinion and what he says. Mm -hmm. And Jesus put them all outside. Why? Because atmosphere matters. And I'm going to tell you something right now, church. If you've got 24-hour news cycle pumping into your house, pumping into your car, into your brain, into your heart Mm -hmm. nonstop, then I'm telling you, it's creating an atmosphere of fear in your home. Mm -hmm. It is. Mm -hmm. And you're going to have to know when it's time to shut it off. Mm -hmm. And the thing I've noticed about it is it's loud. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's coming all the time. And then you got to turn on the word. That encourages it. you, not mm-hmm. not just any word from anybody, but the anointed word that has a spirit of faith right. and joy and victory in it. Right. And that's going to just transform the whole atmosphere of your house. Just like Jesus was anointed to preach freedom, I'm anointed to preach mm-hmm. freedom. You're anointed to preach freedom. There are men and women of God all over this world who've got the anointing, the spirit of God on them to preach the anointed word that will set you free. Mm -hmm. And then when you get set free, guess what free people do? They free people. Mm -hmm. It's only free people that Mm -hmm. free people. Yeah. And you know how all of this turns out because Jesus now has the right atmosphere. He's got people in agreement with him. Not even all the disciples are there, just the ones that can be in agreement with this. 
And it says he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him, and he entered where the child was lying. He took the child by the hand. He said to her, Talitha Kumai, which is translated, little girl, I say to you, arise. Immediately, the girl arose and walked. She was 12 years of age, and they were overcome with great amazement. Notice this in verse 43, though. He commanded them strictly that no one should know it and said that something should be given her to eat. Now, here is a very natural thing. Isn't that interesting? I mean, Jesus is well aware this, this girl was dead. She was gone. And when death, physical death sets in, the, the body begins shutting down. Mm-hmm. But when you feed it, mm-hmm. it wakes up. Mm-hmm. So there were natural things that needed to be done. It's the same thing that's going on right now. Folks, there are natural things that you and I need to be aware of, that we need to be doing. Chill out and wash your hands. That's a natural thing, right? We don't have to panic. We don't have to freak out over this. There are natural things that you and I can do that we should be doing. It's one of the reasons we're meeting online tonight and not in person together. These are natural things that we can be doing. But our first line of defense against fear, against the fear of death, against the fear of the future, and against the fear of other people's opinion is always the Word of God. It's always the name of Jesus. It's always the blood of Jesus. This is your defense. So, if Jesus never brings you out of one thing without bringing you in to something else, what is it he's bringing us into? We've said it over and over tonight. He's bringing us out of fear and into peace. And this is one of the defining differences As believers, as children of the living God, filled with His Spirit, this is supposed to be one of those things that makes us different. Free from panic. Free from panic. full of peace. Full of peace. Mm -hmm. This is supposed to be one of those defining characteristics of who we are. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to get, wait all night to get to this verse right here. Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3, Mm -hmm. says this, But he will keep him in perfect peace, Mm -hmm. whose mind is stayed on you. Mm -hmm. That's what Isaiah said to the Lord. He said, you will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you. Mm -hmm. Now that takes discipline. And that's what we've been talking about tonight. God's not giving you a spirit of fear. That's not his spirit. That's not of him. That's not from him. What he has given you is a spirit of power and love And a sound mind, a self-discipline, a self-controlled mind. Mm -hmm. You can think on whatever you choose to think on. You want want to get your house free from fear? Change what you're thinking about. Mm -hmm. And begin to seek the Lord. That has to do with what you put your mind on. And God is able to keep you in perfect peace if you can keep your mind stayed on Him. I'm telling you, distractions, being distracted by any given thing is so dangerous. It's not just dangerous, it's deadly to be distracted. We know that. People are dying every day, not from a virus or a disease, but on the highway, in their cars. Why? Because they're going 70 miles an hour down a road and a phone rings. Uh, uh, A little vibrate, a little sound And all of a sudden, where their attention should be, they get distracted and they look at something they shouldn't be. And it's sad to say, but it's happening every day. People are losing their life because of distraction. Mm -hmm. How much more important is it for you and I to refuse to be distracted right now? And all a distraction is, is the inability to decide in a moment of time what's most important? What is most valuable? Mm -hmm. And right now, you feeding on what the news is pumping out, I know there's information in there that you need to hear, but it's not the most important information. It's not the most valuable information. Come on, child of God, put your eyes and ears back on his word. Come into his presence. His presence is medicine. His word is medicine. And if there's a lack of peace in your life, in your heart, or in your home, 
The absence of peace is simply the product of a wandering mind. Mm -hmm. I say that to you again. The absence of peace is the product of a wandering mind. When I think of somebody who's easily distracted, I think of kids, you know. I mean, there's only so long you can talk to them without them starting to just sort of drift away. And that's cute when they're little. It's not so cute when the Lord needs our attention Mm -hmm. and He needs our focus and He needs us so laser-focused on Him and His plan because you've got an answer for people. And, you know, if you can't keep from freaking out (laughs) or being fearful, one of the best ways is to go into a fast. I know during the week this week, Jeremy and I, have just laid them some things down and we have before bed we haven't watched any tv we've just gotten our bibles out meditated on the word and just spent time fasting those things that our flesh craves mm-hmm. you know and when you do that you you get out of play you fill up on faith and you watch fear fade away yeah. And so that's that's a way to do that like Esther did and another thing that keeps coming to my heart is you know being perfectly protected is not the absence of being led by the Holy Spirit. And, you know, in in Proverbs chapter 3, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. That means listen to him before you go somewhere. Ask him, Holy Spirit, do I need to go here? Show me, Lord. I'm checking my heart. I'm looking inside. Are you leading me here? Are you not are you leading me to go to on vacation here? Where are you leading me to drive? Where are you leading me to fly? Don't ignore the voice of the Holy Spirit and him and and go go before him and be sensitive to him and in all your ways acknowledge him. And then it says in verse seven, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil and it will be health to your flesh mm-hmm. and strength to your bones. Yeah. That healing power and that health for you, even in your flesh, comes from being led by the Holy Spirit and following his lead and acknowledge him acknowledging him in all your ways and he'll direct us and he'll show us where to be at the right time. We are always, we say this every night, we are always in the right right place place, at the right right time doing doing the the right right thing thing with the the right right people. people. Yeah. There's safety in that. There's Mm -hmm. protection in that. Mm -hmm. And uh, several weeks ago when talking about the spirit of the Lord, where the spirit is, there's liberty. You can't disconnect that from as many as are led by the spirit. spirit. These are the sons of God. And you talk about a defining characteristic of who you are mm-hmm. is being led by his spirit and not by anything else. Mm-hmm. And what the Lord's spoken to us out of that is the spirit leads to where the spirit is. Mm-hmm. The spirit of God will lead to where the spirit of God is in manifestation. That's and right. where the spirit is, there's liberty. Yeah. Father, we come to you tonight in the name of Jesus. We are so thankful for your word. We're grateful that you've spoken to us and spoken through us tonight. Sarah and I pray over all the families of Legacy Church, all those watching tonight and those who are watching from other families around the nation or even around the world. And Father, we plead the blood over every one of them. Thank you, Lord. As many as would receive it, as many as would value it and honor it, Father, I ask you to use their faith as an open door of access to go into their lives and protect and to put up a shield and a hedge of protection around them. Your word says that your glory would be like a shield around us. You said that you would be our shield and our exceeding great reward. Thank you, Father. Father, we believe your righteousness goes before us. Your glory surrounds us like a shield. Thank you, Lord, for your angels. And the authority that we've been given, that you have entrusted us with. Thank you, Lord. In the establishing of this church and in the lives of the people that come to this church, we declare in Jesus' name that this virus will not come near you. you. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. A thousand can fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. you. Now you have authority in your own home. You have authority in your own family. And Jesus died. He bled to get you that authority back. Mm -hmm. And with that authority comes the freedom. Mm -hmm. And the word boldness itself means confidence of speech. Mm -hmm. You got to say something. Yeah. You got to let this come out of your mouth 
And I tell you, do it tonight before bed. Stand up in your home. Husbands, lead the way in this. Wives, you, you, the two of you, be an example. Be a demonstration in front of your children. This is how we handle this stuff. This is how we respond to this junk. We say in Jesus' name, it doesn't come near us. He's given angels charge over us. They pick us up. And if this stuff tries to touch us, it dies when it touches us. Thank you. <laughs> I'm telling you, that's the power that lives big on the inside Amen. of you. Because the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells in you and he quickens your mortal body. I want you to say it again out loud with us right now in Jesus' name. By, by his help, by his grace, and by the leadership of his spirit, we, we will always be in the right place, place at the right, right time, doing, doing the, the right, right thing with, with the, the right, right people in Jesus' name. Church family, we love you so much tonight. Thanks for tuning in. I prayed you stayed with us and got something good out of it. Good things are to come. Be watching your email. Be watching the website. Going to make some exciting announcements to you in the very near future. In the meantime, be blessed. Be covered by the blood. Be prosperous, healed, and whole in Jesus' name. We love you, and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye.